0: it's good to see everybody here if you have your Bibles you can turn to Acts chapter 14 and uh, we've had a great morning so far good first service good uh, good looking crowd here today hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving Uh, everybody still in a food coma half of you are you look like you are I feel like I am We've been going through this study um, on the church and I think um, we've got probably this week um, just trying to follow the Lord's direction on this but I think this message this morning is such an important message even going out of this week of Thanksgiving into this Christmas season and so um, I'm, I'm very challenged by it. I hope that you're challenged by it this morning. Um, if you're a guest with us we want to say thank you for being our guest. Uh, if you at any time have a question Uh, or any at any point in the service have a question about something uh mark that down we'd love to answer that at the end of the service you can come out the welcome center and uh, we would love to uh, meet you and uh, just be a blessing to you while you're here but last week in this study uh, we saw two important points i think that uh, we uh, need to make sure and not forget (laughs) Uh, we need to apply this in our life the first point was this we need to look for and see the lost and i admitted and i think all of us can admit we can be guilty of just living our lives and missing the opportunities that God brings our way, um, right? There's, there's sometimes people we're talking to, people we're encountering, encountering on a daily basis and not seeing them as the soul that they are. And uh, sometimes miss, missing the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And um, that's such an important thing when you look for and, and see the lost. Again, Paul w- was, was preaching and he saw this man ...who had faith to be delivered, a faith to be healed. And it was because he was in tune to what was going on... In tune to the people that were there. And it's so important for us to do that. The second point was we need to seek the approval of God... ...and not of man. And that is something so vital, again, in our life. Uh, so many times the world is telling us... ...you need to do this for you. You need to take this for you. You need to be you. You need to do this. And uh, while there may be some elements of that... ...that are, uh, we can grab and that are actually biblical... A lot of that is is humanistic. A lot of it has to do with exalting man above all. And again, we need to not seek the approval of man, not seek the uh, pleasing of man, but we need to seek the approval and pleasing of God. And this week, again, we move forward. We're going to see uh, two more important lessons. So I want to pray once again and uh, dig into this. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for all you've done uh, so far today. Lord, we thank you for... Uh, just being such a good God. Thank you for loving us so much that we can uh, set aside this time of year and celebrate that love, celebrate the fact that you sent your only son uh, to this earth to be born uh, in flesh that you created and to live a sinless life, to go to the cross, to die, and pay for sins that uh, you've never committed, paid for our sins, and then be put in a grave three days later, rise again. Lord, we're, we're thankful and grateful that we can celebrate that and lord i pray that you would just do a work in our hearts do a work in our lives as we um, put our focus specifically on that and i pray it would stir us god to share this good news to share this story this uh, amazing story of your love and your grace um, to come to this earth and, and pay the price for our sins or we ask you to move today if there's somebody here uh, that is lost they're not in a personal relationship with you through faith. God, I pray that they would understand today is the day of salvation, and they wouldn't leave here today uh, without getting that matter settled. Um, And Lord, we'll praise you for what you do. Lord, we ask that you would just bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 14. We pick up in our study on verse 19. It says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, again, picture this. This is the Apostle Paul, this is the missionary team that has gone from city to city, preaching the gospel, seeing people get saved, seeing cities transformed. Both Jews and Gentiles have gone into the synagogue, then they preach to the Jews. They've seen the power of God at hand. And in this city, there's not been any difference. They've seen God working in this city. But the Jews got wind of this. The Jews did not like this. The Jews did not like the fact that people were being saved and converted. So they show up here. From, they come from Antioch and Iconium. And they turned the tide, they turned uh, the, the crowd away from this missionary team, away from the Apostle Paul, away from the gospel, and stirred them so that they stoned them. They, they, they stoned the Apostle Paul, the one who was simply sharing that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that yes, if they continue in their sins, they're going to face the wrath of God for all of eternity, but the forgiveness is available through Jesus Christ, that, that eternal life, the gift is available through Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection. Well, The Jews didn't like that because it didn't work with their system of power and system of religion. So they wanted to get, get rid of this team just like they wanted to get rid of Jesus. They stoned Paul. They dragged him outside of the city, and everybody there thought he was dead, including his own team. And you can imagine what, what was going through their mind, right? Here was Paul, this bold witness for Christ, this person who God has used to do amazing things up to this point. And now he's laying in a heap, having having been stoned, disfigured. You can imagine all all the the, the bruises and the redness and maybe some some broken facial bones, maybe some other broken bones having gone through this stoning. And you can imagine some of the, the thoughts that were going through their head. Well, now what? I mean, Barnabas, I guess, is going to take back over the reins. He's going to lead again. But man, what about Paul? Look at verse 20. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up. And that would be an amazing story just in itself. We could, we could talk about, you know, God not being finished with us until he's finished with us. We could talk about uh, all kinds of things. But the fact that Paul got up, and then this next point is such a vital point. Look what he does. He goes back into the city. Again, we, we live in an American culture. We live in a Western culture. We live in a, a humanistic, me-centered, selfish Comfort-Driven Society, last, last, uh, the beginning of 2020, I preached a, a message series entitled Uncomfortable, and some of you are here and you heard that, and we went through that. We talked about uncomfortable worship, un- uncomfortable sacrifice, uncomfortable, you know, you know, giving, all kinds of things, and, and we talked about how it's so easy for us to, to drive our, or to, or to have our lives driven by comfort. It's so easy for us to, to run after and seek comfort. Well, our world and every um, brand out there, every product out there has learned this. And so they are trying to market to us to, to where we see the enticing uh, nature of their product to make our life better, to make our life more comfortable, to make our life easier. And so, again, the, the, the latest and greatest, the next best, whatever, is usually geared towards that. And so it's, it's hard for us not to have that mindset that because this is difficult. I'm going to push away from that and I'm going to go to what is easier, what's more comfortable, what I like better. The Apostle Paul had that opportunity. He could have said, you know what, (laughs) I'm not going back to this city. You know what, we're just going to leave now. We're going to go somewhere else. We're going to do something else. I'm not going to go down this road ever again. But he gets up and he goes back into that same city. And it wasn't until the next day, the verse says, that he went away with Barnabas to Derbe and look what happens and after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and this is what they were saying along the way in every city through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God and I'm going to kind of talk about that just for a second before we get to the point, but I think it's important to to make this distinction that the kingdom of God, he's talking about the eternal domain of our Lord, it is something that we are a part of or that we become a part of the moment that we say yes to Jesus, the moment that we are born again, but we know he's talking about specifically this final estate, our final estate as the people of God, as the born again saints of God. Paul would write this, write about this to the Corinthian church. And I, I love the letters to the Corinthian church, such a, a, an encouraging and helpful and challenging convicting letters that they are. But in chapter five of the second Corinthians, this is, he, Paul talks about this very thing, about this eternal estate, this, this, final, this final state that we are in when we're in the presence of God and waiting for it while we're in this present condition. In chapter five, verse one, he says, for we know that if our earthly tent, he's talking about our earthly body, which is our house is torn down, we have a building of God, a house that's not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. For indeed, if in, in this house we groan, we're, we're, we're longing to be clothed on with our dwell, dwelling from above. We, we long to be out of this earthly body and in our heavenly body. In so much, in as much as we having put it on will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tabernacle, in this tent, in this body, we groan, being burdened. Because we do not want to be unclothed, but be clothed so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge, as a, as a guarantee, our inheritance. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. When we walk by faith, not by sight, we are of good courage. Even though we're in these earthly bodies, even though we want to be out of these earthly bodies and in our heavenly body, We continue to walk by faith and we walk in good courage, I say and and prefer rather, to be absent from the body so that we can be home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether we're at home or absent, to be pleasing with him. Last week, again, we talked about living a life that is seeking the approval of God and pleasing God, not man. Paul, again, we talked about how he was driven by this. He says, we have as our ambition, whether we're at home or absent, to be pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed. Each one is judged for the deeds in his body, according to what he's done, whether it's good or bad. Therefore, in light of this truth, in light of the fact that we'll stand before God one day, in light of the fact that we'll be out of these earthly bodies, in our heavenly bodies, we, we know the fear of God, we have this regard and reverence for God. This drives us to persuade men. We are are pleading with men every day, all the time, but we're made manifest to God. And I hope that we're made manifest manifest also in your consciences. We're not again commending ourselves to you. We're not trying to uh, deliver ourselves to you, but but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. There's people that were trying to confuse the apostolic team, the missionary team, with other people who are out for money, other people out for fame. And Paul says, look, we didn't come, he wrote this later in the letter, he said, we didn't come to you to try to make money. Matter of fact, we determined not to do that, not to take anything from you, so that nothing bad could be said about our motivation. So he says, so when people come around saying this or saying that, you'll have an answer for those who are trying to make a show, those who are trying to gain a following, versus those who are doing it in sincerity. He says, for if we're beside ourselves, if we're out of our mind, if we're crazy, it's only for God. If we're sound of mind, it's very clearly for you, for the love of Christ controls us. Again, we talked about that with the Apostle Paul. It was the love of of God that has to be a motivating factor in us, in our life. He says, for the love of Christ controls us, it constrains us, It, it motivates us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves. But for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You see, this is something that the Apostle Paul was was being driven by. Again, he writes this later in his life to this Corinthian church, and he was trying to explain to them that this is how we live, this is why we do what we do, this is the motivation of our life. He says, look, we no longer are living for ourselves. Why did the apostle Paul get up from that heap with stones all around him and bruises all around disfigured face and disfigured body? Why did he get back up and go back into the city and then go the next day to continue on that same exact mission that had him stoned? So that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. He said, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, because we've been changed, because we're in Christ, because we are saved, if, if that's the case for anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are here for his pleasure. We are here to represent his kingdom. We are here for his mission and his mission only. So what he's saying, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God because he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now, I, don't, I don't know if you understand what happened in this section of Scripture in Acts chapter 14. But look back again in verse 20, what he said. It said, It said, The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe, they left the city that he was stoned in. And after they had preached the gospel of that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra. And so what, what's such a big deal about the fact that they go back to Lystra specifically? Why does the Bible name that? Why do they go back to Lystra? Well, if you go back a little bit further in Acts chapter 14 and verse 8, look what it says. At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This was the city. The city where this man was healed. The very city that that the, the people, when they saw this man healed, tried to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods tried to sacrifice and give gifts and and, and offer all these things who who, who Paul and Barnabas had to refuse and set them straight. This is the city, the same city that those Jews came and stirred up the people to stone the apostle Paul to the point of death, leaving him and believing that he was dead. Did you get what happened? Not only did he get up from being stoned and go back into the city and then continue on on the mission to the next cities. On the way back versus trying to find a more comfortable and easier path back to the church of Antioch, they go back to that same city. I believe that if we could ask the Apostle Paul, if he could stand here today and we could ask him, Hey, Paul, was all that worth it? I mean, look at your face now, (laughs) look at your body. I mean, you're broken, beaten, I and mean, you got lashes, scars, broke. I mean, it's bad. I mean, Paul, was Jesus really worth it? Was that really worth it? And I believe the answer is resoundingly clear through his actions and obedience. I don't think he would have to say anything. I think that his life was a testament that Jesus was worth it. And that's, our, that's the first point in our notes. If you have the notes, it's our attitude, our obedience and our faithfulness to the mission. Show Jesus' is worth to us. You see, nobody had to tell Paul like, "Hey, man, just stick with it, man. Hey, hey keep going. Hey, I know that John Mark hurt your feelings. Hey, I know that this person crossed you hey, I know that these people hurt you. I know that this happened like that. Nobody had to come and, and, and pep talk Paul. Paul kept his eyes on Christ. He's, no, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. He, he, he admitted that to himself. But we see in his life an attitude. We see in his life this pattern of obedience and faithfulness to the mission, regardless of what come against him. And I believe that does show that Jesus was worth it all. I think we can take that truth that Paul spoke and make it as our point as well. It's a very important thing that he said to those churches as they went back to Antioch. That through much tribulation, through many trials, that's the path to the kingdom of God. That's the path to our final state. It's not a path of comfort. Paul didn't go back through them and say, look, guys, hey, once you get saved, once you become a Christian, once you're born again, once you're on your way to heaven, guess what? Everything is a bed of roses. Everything is amazing. You never have to worry about a problem. He doesn't say that. He goes back to them and says through many tribulations, through much tribulation, it's not an easy life once you get saved. Matter of fact, it's it's no longer about yourself once you get saved. It's not self-centered. It's not me-centered. It's not even worldly-centered. It's not worldly-focused. When you become a believer, when you're on, on your way to heaven, when you're on the way to the kingdom of God, it's not paved with entertainment or activity or money. No, he said the path of the kingdom of God is full of trials. It's the same path that we are to be following today. We're following those who have gone before. Of course, our Lord is at the head. But this same path that we're following is paved with the blood of many saints. who paid the ultimate price because Jesus was worth it. The previous chapter in Corinthians, that same letter in 2 Corinthians that Paul wrote is such an important chapter that, that precedes that chapter 5. But Let's read that, verse, verse 1, chapter 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. Again, that, that's what you say. Nobody, nobody had to go along to Paul and say, Paul, man, look. I know, I know Bill over there. He didn't check on you when you were sick. After you had been stoned, I know that. You gotta keep going, man. But no one does. Paul say, hey, "Hey, no, Paul. I know that. I know that, um, I know that it really hurt whenever those people made fun of you and mocked you and stuff." But you gotta keep going. No, he said. Once we have this this ministry, just as we've received mercy, we don't lose heart. It's the fact that we haven't we we've not received what we deserve. It's because God's grace and His mercy is so rich. That's why we don't lose heart. I'm not relying on whether somebody does something or doesn't do something for me or to me. It doesn't, I, I'm, I'm focused on the fact that I've, give, I've been given mercy and grace I don't deserve. He says, that's why we don't lose heart. And we've renounced the hidden things because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. I try to twist the word of God to gain a following, but by the manifestation of truth, Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, here's the problem. It's veiled to those who are perishing. If we keep the gospel, if we don't share it, then the people who are dying and going to face the wrath of God for all of eternity, it's, they, it's them who pay, pay the price. It's the same ones who the, the, the God of this world has blinded the minds, their minds. The unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ who's the image of God. He said well, we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus as Lord. And ourselves, we're simply bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light, sh- uh, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who's shown in our hearts. It's him to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this amazing treasure, he said, in these earthen vessels. It's, it's this gospel, it's this glorious light that God has done in his mercy and his grace so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of him and not from ourselves. If it wasn't for the light of God, if it wasn't for the gospel, if it wasn't for the work of God, we are nothing, he says. This is treasure we have in ourselves. We have to share it with people. And then he goes down this road, he says, we're afflicted in every way. It's not easy. Man, people are mean and ugly and hateful. But we're not crushed by it. We're afflicted in our flesh, in our, in our, in our minds, in our, in our emotions, and even the spiritual battle. We're afflicted in every way, he says, every way. But we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing. We are persecuted, but we know we're not forsaken. Just because we, I, I was stoned outside that city, or left outside of that city for dead, I know that, that Christ has not forsaken me. Just because I'm being persecuted like he said I would be if I follow him. It doesn't mean he's forsaken me. We're struck down, but we're not ultimately destroyed. Always caring about in the body, in these physical bodies, the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be made manifest in our body. That's the point, that the less it's about me, the less my body is, 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 it's not about me, the more that Christ can shine through for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. See, the Apostle Paul had it in his mind that the, 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 the more he suffered for Christ, the more that he could have fellowship with those sufferings. And the more that he had fellowship with those sufferings of the Savior who gave it all for him, the more affection, the, more, the, the closer he could be to his Lord and what he endured on his behalf. Paul wasn't looking for an easy life. He wasn't looking for a comfortable life. He was looking for a rich life. He was looking for a famous life. He wasn't looking for any of those. He was looking for a life that was pleasing to Jesus. He says, so here's how it works. Death works in us, but it affords life to others. But having the same spirit of faith according to what what is written, this, this this is why we do that. This is how we live that. I believe, therefore I spoke. So we also believe, and therefore we speak. that how, how could we say that we really believe that, that we are recipients of grace and we don't deserve How could we really say that, that God is the, is the amazing God of grace, the, the lover who sent his son to die in our place, that Jesus is truly the only way to heaven? How do we say we believe that and not say that? And not share that? That's what Paul says. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound, not to us, but to the glory of God. Therefore, we don't lose heart. That's why we don't give up. That's why we don't give in. That's why we don't get discouraged. That's why we don't stop showing up. That's why we keep going. Even though our outward man is decaying, even though we're being destroyed every day, our inner man is renewed day by day. (laughs) Because we know our our momentary and light affliction that we deal with in this life is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison to anything we go through in this life. So yeah, but what we're dealing with is way bigger. No, no, no. He says, look, there's nothing that we can go through in this life that compares to the glory that awaits the faithful in Christ. Well, we look not at the things we're seeing, but the things which are not seen. For the things which we can see, we know the temple, the things that are not seen, those are the things that are eternal. And I I don't believe that in in all of this, Paul was trying to encourage, and I'm not trying to encourage, that we go after trouble in our life. We're not trying to seek after tribulation or persecution as a Christian. It's not like we're trying to make it or manufacture in our life, oh, I'm just living a difficult life right now because I'm trying to share the gospel with everybody. No, I'm not trying to find it. We did not go seeking trials and tribulation. But we have to know. We have to know this morning that if we waver from our faithfulness to Christ when our feelings get hurt, when something doesn't go our way or when something happens in the church or whatever the case may be, if, if we waver from our faithfulness when something like that happens, what about when a worldly activity comes along? we waver in our faithfulness what about when our flesh wins and we get lazy and give in what about allowing our kids to mess the best eternal things for something temporal in the world or whatever it is and when that real test of faith comes what's going to be the result if, if if our faithfulness wavers in those times, well, well, if, if they would have checked them, or if they would have called, or if, or, or, if they wouldn't have said it like that, or if they would have, if they would have, you know, done this, I know that they did this for them, they didn't do this for me. And if it wavers in the midst of that, what about when the real test of faith comes? What's gonna be the result? Well, saying contents under pressure explode. We know what happens when they explode. It reveals what's inside. And it can be ugly or it can be beautiful. I believe based off of Scripture that if Jesus is in us and he is truly the treasure of our life, if he is it, period, then every other blessing is put under under that context, that Jesus is first and above all. And if that is the case in our life, then what will result is a life much like Paul and, and others like him. who When, when pressure comes, when, when, when tribulation and persecution comes, then what remains is a life of action and obedience and faithfulness to the mission, regardless of how difficult it gets, regardless of, of how many people like you, regardless of how many people hurt you, or regardless of how, how bad life gets. No matter what we go through, our life will scream, Jesus is the true treasure in life. Even, and I believe especially when difficulty comes. Hey, where are they? I don't know. They got, they got their feelings upset. What? Hey, what, what's going on? Well, they just just taking some time. What? If Jesus is the true treasure, then our life will show that. You don't have to, you could ask the apostle Paul that, but I think his life was still, it still does scream that today. Verse 23, back in the text, when when they had appointed elders for them in every church, again, they were making their way back to Antioch, having fasted with, uh, I'm sorry, prayed with fasting, they commended them. They they delivered them over to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, and when they had spoken the word in Perga, which is an important note, they went down to Attila. From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. When they had a ride, they gathered the church together and began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Look at verse 28, and they spent a long time with the disciples. Point number two is our submission, regard and esteem for the church show Jesus' worth to us. You say, that's the point? Yes, because this, this team made their way back along the journey all the way back home to their sending church and along the way they they were ordaining these men these these elders they appointed them the bible says obviously this this has implications that there were these other factors involved that these men had the qualifications and the qualities there but in every church the bible says they set in order the way that god had ordered the church Every church needed a pastor, every church needed elders. Many instances, these men were there to, to help oversee those, those, those local churches, those local, local body in, in, in every, every city. But every pastor, every, every elder in that, in that city that they were ordained in, they had to have those qualities exhibited. But again, this is what God had set up, and this is what the team was following. Why? Why were they doing it? Because they had that submission, esteem, and regard for the church. Because of Jesus. As a side note, as I said a while ago, it's an important note, note that they preached the word there in Perga. They spoke it there. Something that we, didn't know, we don't know that they did when they passed through the first time. What do we know about Perga the first time that they came through there? Here's what we know about Perga. That's where John Mark bailed on them. John Mark, right, this servant that was on their team. All we know about Perga is that they, they, they're there, and as they determine that they're going to go on to the next city, John Mark says, peace. <laughs> I'm out of here. I ain't doing this anymore. He goes back home. That's all we know. But, but what's interesting about this is they make their way back through that city. They're given another opportunity to redeem that. They redeemed a negative opportunity. What was negative before, they redeemed it. Again, it's a great side point. Sometimes... God in His grace, which it's all by His grace and His plan, He gives us opportunities to redeem for His glory. A relationship, sometimes a city like this, sometimes an opportunity to witness, right? I I think that I've shared that before. We've all probably experienced that opportunity where we want to witness to that person, we want to witness to that family, we want to witness to that neighbor, that coworker, that friend, or whatever, and and we get nervous, or or, or we get busy, or or we get distracted, and we don't do it. We're like, ah, man, I wanted to, I wanted to share the gospel with them. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get to do it again. And then, in God's grace, He gives us an open door again. Sometimes He gives us those opportunities. I've shared this story before, but it's a very, it's that lesson that God used in my life to say, you better listen to me. <laughs> I had many lessons, but this was one that is specifically about witnessing. I had gone to Walmart, gone in to, to, to buy some stuff, and brought it back home. And um, when I was at the store, I got out of my truck, and, and I meant to grab a, 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 a track. And I was going to hand it to the, the cashier. And got through the, the line, and I realized I didn't have a track on me. Oh, I forgot to get it when I got out of my truck. Yeah, well, I'll do it next time. And then as, as I walk into my truck, I thought, well, I could just get one for my truck and just run it back into. i put the groceries in the truck and run it back into that lady real quick and say, hey, I know, uh, you know, this may seem weird, but I just want to give you this, you know, came back to give you this card, talk to you about church. Got to my truck and I was like, no, I just, I'll just go home, you know, I'll just do that. I got all the way home. Started to unload unload the the groceries at at the house. Guess what? I had left a bag at the checkout. I had left a bag at the checkout. And so I got there. I was unloading everything. I was like, I know I had it. I know I paid for it. And I was like, I must have left it. And as soon as that happened, the light went off in my head. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. (laughs) I I was just so wrapped up just getting home or whatever the case may be. So I went back up there, and I started of walked to that register, and that lady was already, she was like, oh, yeah, in, in a bag of cans, you know. And I was like, hey, I came back to get this, but I think there was a way bigger purpose in this. And so I handed her a track and I said, I'm sorry I didn't give you this the first time. But sometimes God gives us those opportunities to redeem for his glory. And I don't share that story to, to brag. That was on me. That was God's grace that afforded me that opportunity. But sometimes what ends up happening is we miss these opportunities and our own mistakes. Sometimes we get sidetracked by a trial that we're going through in our life and we get focused on that trial and we miss the opportunities that God has and sometimes we fail in our sin and that's exactly what happens. But in all of that, sometimes God brings us back around to redeem it for his glory. I love God's enduring mercy and his indelible grace. They preach there in Perga where their friend left them where they didn't get to preach the first time. They preached the word of God there the next time. They eventually make it back to their sending church in Antioch. And again, and all of this, they show their submission to and their regard for, their esteem for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and specifically their sending church. This morning, Brother Tony shared with our praise team in our, in our devotion uh, before our practice about uh, the temple and how before Jesus Christ came, uh, the jews showed up at the temple and that's where they worshiped and that's where they sacrificed and that's where they fellowshiped and that's where they they, they gave their offerings that's where they they did it. but jesus came and he, and he and he made that bridge between what god had commanded them in the old testament the old covenant to this new testament the new covenant in his blood and he told them he said destroy this temple in three days i'll rise it up again and they were like you're crazy man there's no way it took forever to, to build this and it said but he was talking about his body we know what happens as is Jesus is, 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 is crucified, and then he rises from the, 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 the grave, and then he ascends to heaven. What does he say, and what, is, what does the scripture tell us in the New Testament? That we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, both individually and collectively together. And Christ is the head of the body. He's what it's all about. And so while man has messed it up through the ages and while man has, has made a mess of things, I mean, we could talk about the state church, going back to the, 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 the you know, the third and fourth century, we, we could talk about the Catholic church, we talk about all those things that man has got it wrong and even churches today, we, we get it all wrong. But what, you know, what is understood in all of this is Paul and Barnabas and all the churches that they established along the way, they all knew that every single person that composed those churches, guess what they were? Sinners saved by grace every leader every member just a sinner saved by grace had a conversation with somebody last week a couple of guys and we were talking about churches and one one guy said um, the the biggest church that they have in their city is about 20 members they got a bunch of those 20 member churches in there that's the biggest church they have and he said but I don't go to any of those churches because they're all hypocrites the other guy in the conversation said well you know, that's, that proves the point right there why we still need the church, why there still our churches. And I said, amen. Because it just shows that, you know what, God has his church here for a reason. This church that God used to ordain these men for this specific work, the church that sent them out, commended them to the Lord's grace for this specific work. Again, the Bible says, from which they had commended, been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished It's under the Holy Spirit's direction that they sent them out. We know that the church, again, wasn't perfect in Antioch. We know that the leaders there weren't perfect, but these men knew this is Jesus' church, that it's his plan, that the people of God, that the church is his bride. And and, and Paul and and, and Barnabas and, and their submission, their regard and esteem for the church, the body of Christ in that, what they were doing is what we can still do today as we we demonstrate that. Show the great value of Jesus once again. We didn't come up with the church. We didn't come up with Jesus did. It's his church. It's his body. And when we have that submission and regard and esteem in a healthy and a right way, we show that Jesus is the great treasure once again. The world sees that We're either here or not here for the right reason. We're not here to prove that we're religious. A lot of people, maybe maybe you're here. Maybe you came to church today because you wanted to show your neighbor that you're religious. Hopefully not. We're not here because we think we're good enough or that we think that we can even try to be good enough. We aren't here because in our good works, we can be accepted by God by ourselves. That's not it. We are here because we submit and we regard and we esteem Jesus and His church, His plan, His body, His people, because it's His church and He is our treasure. And this morning, these points to me jump off the page. I don't know if they do for you, but Jesus, His church, His kingdom, His mission is all valuable. We're entering into this Christmas season when we celebrate that God so loved us that he gave us this treasure, his only son, to live a sinless life, to die on a cross, to become sin for us who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God did this. We celebrate this. But man, as Christians living in 2021, what do we demonstrate? Is, are we truly demonstrating that Jesus is the true treasure of our life? I love my wife and I love my two girls more than anything in this world. But as much as I love them, they aren't the true treasure in life. They They are precious blessings from God. But Jesus is the true treasure for all of us, for every man. Look, having money, having friends, having activities and hobbies, None of that should show that we have a desire for them over Christ, that he should be the greatest treasure, that should be seen in our actions, our our obedience, and our faithfulness. And this morning, I hope that your challenge, as I am, seeing this example before us, and maybe one day at the end of our life, if somebody were to say, hey, if if you were to ask so-and-so today, would you have to wait for an answer, or could you see it in their life that Jesus was worth it? i hope that our life speaks to that i hope that our life says no matter what comes against us no matter what we face no matter what happens in our life jesus is the true treasure father thank you for this time thank you again for this reminder and this challenge this conviction this this morning lord i I thank you that you are a god of grace lord i thank you that you are a god of judgment that you are a god of love and lord that um, lord you uh, are going to keep your word and one day you will reward the faithful. And at the same time, Lord, one day you, you will judge the unrighteous who have rejected your free gift of salvation. And I pray that those of us who have received that gift of eternal life, those of us who have um, received that, that gift of salvation, Lord, that we would be encouraged today, challenged today, to live our lives like you are the true treasure. Lord, not, not try to pretend it, but Lord, dig in deep in our relationship with you and find that you um, are precious, Lord. And I pray that uh, that would just pour over uh, in in every aspect of our life. Lord, help us be faithful to you. Help us regard you, your church, your plan, your mission overall. And we'll praise you for what you do. Lord, help us to respond now uh, in the right way. And if there's somebody here, Lord, if they're not positive, they're going to spend eternity with you. And maybe they would come forward this morning and, and ask, what do I have to do to go to heaven when I die? And Lord, will praise you for what you do there. we we'll ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to encourage you to come.